Welcome to On Strategy Showcase. I'm Fergus O'Carroll in Chicago, and uh, welcome to this new series. It's one of many we've planned over the next few months in, in 2024, including a CMO roundtable series, a brand management series, uh, our marketing effectiveness series, volume two, also a B2B marketing summit, and our CSO roundtable series, volume two. Uh, each our three episode series in a panel format. So that's nine total guests spread out across three episodes. Look for them in the coming months. And if you're interested in being a sponsor of any of these series, we'd love to hear from you at hello at onstrategyshowcase.com. In the meantime, here's a clip from today's episode. The shortcomings come down to a difference of objectives. And I think what Connections does is they bridge those objectives so that we're not just looking at efficiency, because I think that when I look at connections planning, I think there are three values that come out of it, with the, with the fundamental one being effectiveness, the other two being unleashing creativity and creating integration. And Ben, you've been talking a lot about integra- integration, and that's a huge, huge piece of, of what we do. And that integration and bringing those things together is about combining the art and the science. That's Brian Bryden, SVP, head of comms strategy for Publicis. He's joined by Enda Conway, head of connection strategy for BBDO New York, and Ben Nilsson, head of media strategy for Droga 5 in New York. We're talking connections planning. We're defining it and understanding its place in the ever-increasing number of strategy roles in the marketing field. I'm a fan of this role. I think it's necessary. I think it's critical, especially given not just the fragmentation of media, but also the separation of media shops from advertising agencies. And, you know, in an ideal world, every strategist could play this role, but we don't live in that ideal world. And while many of us do feel we play this role both at the brand and the comms end, Only the results for our clients tells us if we're doing it well enough. So we've got to be cautious. So if if connection strategy is not a title within your agency, and at least, you know, I think in smaller to mid-sized agencies, it's probably not, then at least it has to be a task. And it's a task that deserves your time, and it's a task that deserves deep attention. So we're joined for the introduction to this episode by uh, Emery Kerwin, who's the America's editor for Wark in New York City. Wark is the sponsor of this series. And uh, I'm excited to have you here, Emery. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. If Connection Strategy is about extending and amplifying the core campaign idea through unique places, unique tactics, or unique moments... Are there ways to isolate that added contribution to effectiveness, in your opinion? Are there methods that are emerging or that exist where you can sort of say, hey, we by by doing this, we added this additional level of effectiveness? You can try to capture it in marketing mix models, um, or you can the incrementality tests, maybe running, running something in one market and not another to compare that maybe will bring that out. It's not a new challenge, of course, to how we do this, but it is becoming more urgent as audiences have fragmented. And we're seeing the trend of creative and media, which decades ago was unbundled, they're coming back together as a way to address this. And I think we're also seeing uh, come back into contextual advertising. The connection strategy function, no matter where it sits, can really help focus the teams on remembering what mindset consumers are in when they turn to different media experiences. And I think that will improve creativity impact. So what are you guys uh, doing? I've heard about you doing in January. I think it's sort of taking 
what was happening at Cannes this year, uh, the creative effectiveness principles, and bringing that to the U.S. for the first time. For the first time, Work's going to be part of the most contagious event here in New York on January 24th. It's an installment of that incredibly well-received creative impact track that was presented at Cannes Lions this year. And people have the option of coming for the whole day, and they can see Most Contagious in the morning and Creative Impact in the afternoon, or you can just go to one or the other, whichever your day holds for you. We will uh, be right back with episode one in our series. Thanks, Emery. Thank you, Fergus. It was great being here. This series is brought to you by Wark. Big news. Wark has relaunched its effectiveness awards to be bigger and better than ever. The Wark Awards 2024, in association with Lions, will celebrate strategic brilliance and effective impact. They're built and benchmarked on the consistent global framework of the creative effectiveness ladder. So if you're a marketer or strategist with an example of effective marketing, this is an unmissable opportunity to amplify your great work to Wark's community of more than 75. 5,000 marketers. With 12 categories and five regional award shows, you enter once for the chance to win in both your region and a chance to win a global Grand Prix where you can prove your campaign is the most effective in the world. Entries are now open with the final deadline on February 6th. 2024. For more info on the fees and regions covered, head to wark.com backslash awards. That's W-A-R-C dot com backslash awards. Now back to the show. So uh, episode one in our series, uh, really thrilled to have these three guys with us. Brian, thank you, man, for agreeing to be here. It's great to have you. Yeah, thank you, Fergus. Uh, it's it's great to be on the most popular show in the industry. I think that's what you uh, wanted me to say, right? That's pretty much it. Yeah, well done. And now we'll we'll put up the uh, we'll put up the cards for Ben. Ben, thank you for being here. Hey, Fergus, absolute pleasure to be here, mate. Thank you. And Ben just came. Uh, just he's out in the West Coast, and he had just flown in from Australia, so he rallied to be here. And uh, we have Enda Conway uh, from uh, BBDO in New York. Enda, welcome. Thanks so much, Fergus. Great to be here, especially with Ben and Brian. Great to have all three of you here. Um, you know, I, I um, when the, when the idea for this session came up, um, I, I kind of uh, use an example of what I went through and, and have experienced many times, which is I, I find myself as a strategist so deeply involved in defining the overall brand strategy or the overall campaign uh, uh, campaign strategy. And um, you, you get so deeply involved in that it almost drains your your uh, mental uh, your your mental ability to stay focused. You feel drained after you've done that. However, the challenge always was that I always felt that that the idea wasn't expressed in the most exciting way. There was a lot of traditional things that tended to be done once it hit the sort of the media department. And I was always frustrated that there wasn't as much thinking that was being applied strategically to um, to the point which was the most critical point, which is when the ideas were beginning to come to life. That's why I feel that there was a trough almost at that point when strategy and a creative idea was being brought to life in the world, that that trough uh, could be a significant contributor to effectiveness or to the lack thereof. And so I, I think I wanted to be able to point a light towards that with this series so that we can begin to understand the ways of which connections planning, and we'll talk about that label shortly, 
can be deployed to better ensure effectiveness or to elevate effectiveness. And so that's what is at the heart of this series. So I wanted to start off because there's going to be many people listening to this, both clients and um, agency side people that are uh, increasingly confused by the amount of labels that strategy has sort of split into over the last number of years. So I thought we could start off, Brian, with sort of getting what you sort of would think of as being the definition of connection strategy and, and how it's different from other forms of strategy that we deal with every day. It shouldn't be a surprise that I think as an industry, we've massively overcomplicated this. I think the answer is a lot lot simpler. I, I have a shorthand that I use when I try to explain the role of connections planning or communications planning to anyone that's not familiar with it. And it's best to think of it as a, 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 a trio between brand planning, connections planning, and media planning, where brand planning is in charge of the what we say, the media planning is in charge of, of where we say it, and the, the connections planning is in charge of how we say it. And that how, you know, sometimes people will say, well, doesn't the communications or connections planner also determine the where the where is included in the house. So it's it's both a creative and an effectiveness role where you're both combining the creative ambition and the media mission. And 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 Fergus, I like what you're talking about because I think that trough really is about a difference of objectives. I think from a creative team, you might have an ambition for creative excellence, of breakthrough, of risk. From a media team, you might have an objective of uh, proven effectiveness of reach of frequency. And often those are at odds. And I think what a communications or connections planner does is brings the, brings those two pieces together. They bridge those two strategies. So tell me about that. Tell me about your definition of how, what, what is how in this case? Yeah. So, you know, I think, I, I, I think of connections as platform creativity. So a brand planner would be kind of, you know, leading the overall brand expression brand platform. The connection planner looks for really interesting ways to express that creatively. And they don't just look at it from the point of view of the platform. They have to look at it from the point of view of the consumer and when the consumer is going to be most receptive to that message or when that message will be most creatively interesting. Um, you know, I think a, a good example, you had the Snickers episode recently. Uh, I worked on a campaign a while back with BBDO, um, uh, Snickers one for two, where we kind of played on this idea of clickbait um, and people clicking on clickbait. Um, and we use that as an example of out of sourceness. If you uh, buy one sticker for the price of two, you click through to a psychologist that asks you if you're okay. It's a really interesting way that we would get to a tactic that I don't think a traditional media planner would get to. We wouldn't recommend banners. It's a very old school, out of date approach. But it was a really specific point in our in our audience's you know web experience where we could highlight out of sourceness, and that was I think one of my favorite campaigns for stickers. So so the brand. The brand strategy you're saying is the what, as in what we should be or what we should say. Is that how you mean that? Exactly. Yeah. What what our proposition is, what our benefit is, what we the emotional space we we stand for, the North Star. And I think the 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 problem that we get into is we look for creativity within a brand and we start to change that platform. And that's when we create inconsistency when we should really be maintaining that platform and just finding different ways to express it. Um let me let me throw that to Ben. Is that how you think about it also, Ben, or, or from your perspective, is it any different? No, I I, I tend to agree. You know, we're a, a relatively small community of specialists, but I, I would just say connection strategy to me is connecting all elements of a campaign and making it land with its target audience. Um, I agree with Brian that we work very closely with our brand counterparts on landing the what. And Fergus, your tee up at the start is um is perfect in terms of, connection strategy really be on being on the hook 
to express the creative idea um, and express the creative idea in different places. Um, it's interesting. I, I, uh, in a 13 hour flight, Fergus, you get to listen to a lot of podcasts and I, I had the <laughs> chance, <laughs> um, I had the chance of listening to your conversation with Mark, um, about effectiveness and about what our role is. And I think the really interesting thing about connections, comms or media is also our breadth along the creative process, um, in terms of how we're accountable for effectiveness. And I think, you know, um, to dimensionalize the role of connections a little bit for, for those listening, I think we spend a lot of time in two main places. And I think of it almost as like left brain, right brain, um, you know, left brain being where I came from. I have a media background now working in a creative agency in Droga 5. Um, we spend a lot of time in campaign planning, you know, and that's, okay, what is our, what is our audience based, you know, based on our audience and objectives, what channels mix, when and where, what are the key moments, the flighting, all that kind of stuff from a very plenary um, standpoint. We spend a lot of time doing that. And it's just so so tightly tied to a lot of the effectiveness levers that you and Mark were talking about. And then you have your your almost right brain part of our job, which I, I get really energized and excited by bouncing between these two things, right? And, and it's campaign execution. And that's where we're sitting with creatives and, and doing a lot of what Brian's saying is expressing that creative idea through different tactics and channels. And, you know, thinking about the different levers that you talked about with Mark, that's where we start thinking about platform fit or we start talking about um you know how does it get noticeable or usable or actually you know functionally really important to our audiences so it i think those are the two main places that we spend a lot of our time as connections planners um both planning the campaign and then actually making the campaign come to life so is is there been in in your world is there that sort of relay race approach to this where in essence there's brand strategy uh, who's working on the what, then hands it off to connections or, or or comm strategy, and they start to talk about the how, and then there's a pass. Is it like that really relay race, or is there an awful lot of overlap? So that's the right journey, but I wouldn't I wouldn't classify it as a baton pass or a relay race. I would say that the analogy that I use quite often is, um, you know, you're all in a car and you're going somewhere. I would say when we're when we're receiving the brief, I'm working quite closely with my brand strategist and they're probably driving the car. I'm sitting in the passenger seat pointing out things that we might need to look out for. So, you know, it's important and helpful to get communications insights at the front when you're approaching a problem or a brief um, because we want to keep our audience right at the front of our thinking. Um, but but that brand planner is still very much in the driver's seat, right? And they are identifying exactly what Brian's saying, the, the what, you know, what are we actually tackling? What is the most important thing that we're tackling? And how is that uh, codified into our main approach? And then we just switch, you know, once we've gotten to a platform or, a you know, your, our early brief, you know, that's where, that's where my, I, I and my team would go into the driver's seat. But that brand planner is still in the car, right? Because... I think we talked about it early, Fergus, you know, when you get all the way down into campaign execution, we have 50 different types of executions. I do like to pass it back my past my brand planners and, and all the creative teams and be like, is this the right expression of that thought, right? There's got to be that cross-checking. So your continuum is right, but I wouldn't call it a clean baton pass because it's helpful to have both parties um, there for the entire journey. 
And so where where is the creative team in that mix, Ben? Are you are you waiting for the creative team to come up with an idea that a platform, a concept that everybody agrees upon that you can then begin to think about and how you can make it come to life? Yeah, I mean, how it works with us at Droga Five is senior creative is in in this from the very, very get-go. You know, um, just to get a little bit of a look at how what the problem looks like, what the audience looks like, what the opportunity looks like. Um, and they're probably in the car too, right? You know, it's a big car. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but I would say more more people, more creative input um, happens once we've cracked that first brief. And that's where um, it's, it's much more collaborative between us as the connections and communication strategists and the creative teams working on how to crack that brief, which territories to bring that into and how to express those territories. So... There is creative insight early in the process. The bulk of the creative firepower comes in after the brief, and then we really look to express that um, after that point. So, Enda, you, um, anybody who looks up the three of you guys on LinkedIn will see that Enda is actually the only one of the three of you who actually has connections in his title. He's head of connection strategy, PBDO, in New York. Um, Enda, is there a difference in your mind between a comms um planning and between connections planning in terms of being a strategist so i guess uh, on an industry-wide look at this um as we speak about it here they're they're almost identical but the way i view it is slightly different within bbdo and that kind of only comes because of my skill set and where i come from um so like within bbdo we kind of look at connections as having comms planning social and almost like your experience and CX skill set uh, on the other side. And that's a perfect world. But um, as as we're chatting here, the bulk of what is done, the bulk of the, um, you know, being additive to the to the process is exactly as as, as the two gents have just said, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's around that comms planning and the different variations of that. It's just my background is very heavy social media and I've kind of there's different ways to get into um, comms planning or connections. You know, you can come from, you know, media side or, or a lot of people graduating kind of from a social stream. And that that's where I've come from. So I guess it's just the variations. And Brian and I have worked together and we're the perfect example of two people coming at this, the, the, the same job in from two different directions. Neither is and uh, neither is wrong. It's actually brilliant when the two of us come together because we view things uh, in, 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 in a very different way. Wouldn't you say, and uh, and this is just coming from the chats that you and I have had, is like you can come from different specialisms, whether it's media or social. The way I view it is connections has to connect everything, you know, everything that sits within a campaign. And I guess the divergence of, you know, when your question, um, Fergus, was about how is this different to PR, I, th I view us as, as accountable for for everything that sits within a campaign or an idea or uh, client communications for a period of time. And I think we can come from different bases of expertise, but once you become a connections or a comm strategist or a media strategist at a creative agency, you're connecting all of those nodes. Go back to what Brian said, it's the how. And that how occurs <clears throat> in multiple different places, whether it's the media channels, uh, the time of day we show up, um, the places that we show up from a from a, a location point of view, or if it's if it's on social media, 
there has to be that understanding and knowledge um, of all of these different places for us to successfully deliver on that how um, and to be able to make the idea live in such a way which solves the problem and drives back to that effect from the effectiveness that we spoke about earlier. The thing is, is if you were to look at the likes of my skill set and say, are you a, a, a social strategist? If I only did that, then I guess you would say I'm only a, a social strategist. But my day-to-day -day job, my job stretches it beyond all of that. It just happens to be that my experience comes from social strategy and it has extended into the other facets of connections or comms planning as, as needed. The same way as uh, Brian um, has come from the more kind of a, a, a more, you know, a different side of it. And Ben, is, uh, ben with media and his knowledge comes from a very strong media side of it. So should we, Brian, should we as, as, um, as people who are part of this subset of strategy, we'll call it, I mean, let's let's solve this for the listener. Is it connections planning or is it comms planning? I mean, those two, we're, we're all throwing it back and forth. It's just like people say, I'm a planner, oh, I'm a strategist. It's the same thing here. We're, we're talking connections, we're talking comms. What is it one of those two things? Or, um, and what, what in your mind is it? I've been, I've spent uh, countless hours debating this with coworkers and colleagues. I have. <laughs> It, probably more time than I have been actually doing strategy. Um, <laughs> a, a mentor of mine a while, a while back, Julian Cole, he's he's a, a kind of a you know an icon in the in the communications planning space. After a long time in the industry, he had this this belief. So, Ju was, so Julian Cole, uh, Julian Cole runs uh, the strategy finishing school. Uh, he's living now in I think in in Spain or Portugal. Yeah, and he's uh, he's been on the show, and he's um, he, he's BBDO background and. Uh, he does phenomenal work for those who can check him out. Julian Cole, J-U-L-I-A-N-C-O-L-E. Go ahead. Sorry, Brian. No, no, that's, uh, I appreciate it. Yeah. And just a great human being. Um, but he's, he's just put out, he's prolific and an, an amazing amount of thought pieces on, on this, this skill set. And he had one statement that was, it doesn't matter what my title is. It matters what I do. I think to an extent that's true. And I, I try to get to that with the people that I work with. It's a little bit of a cop out because you need to, I mean, you need to have a handle or a name to, for people to understand who you are. I think that the the, the solution uh, might be overall connections planning hasn't really gotten its time in the sun in terms of the value that it adds to the advertising process. And I think because of that, we just have all these disparate, fragmented ideas of what it is. And I think if we could pull that together and have a more focused, singular kind of industry look at what that is, we might be able to rally around it. I think that the, the, the challenge is... <laughs> Agencies and, and holding companies, they want to brand these things. And they want to own it. They want it proprietary. I, I work with a handful of connection site planners that call themselves experience designers. So there's a third term now. Wonderful. Um, yeah. And, <laughs> and you, can't, you can't argue with that. And I get the logic because, you know, communications is only one part of a brand experience. Sure. But at a point where we're, we're just kind of talking to ourselves. So I, I share that goal of... And I, recognize that I'm contributing to the confusion by saying com slash connections. Um, I, I see it as kind of a time-based thing. You know, comms planning was popular in the mid-90s. People don't like outdated terms for titles. It feels old. And I think connections has become kind of the modern phrase for that and sometimes more associated with media. But it's really, you know, every agency is different is what I find. Yeah. And, 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 and to that point, and like that experience designer, you know, an experience strategist or whatever, I guess, I guess, Fergus, you could look at it that, you know, as I said earlier, it's these people are coming at 
we're coming at the same job in just from different directions, you know, like, you know, is it CX? Is it social? Is it media? And it all comes into towards that kind of comms connections world. I've heard people call it engagement strategy. Same, you know, it's it, 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 it falls in the same thing. It's just, I guess, in this modern um, space that we're in, as you're trying to do different skill sets, as you're trying to diversify um, the scoping that you get and and and, and where you're pushing in the type of jobs that you're going into, um, more and more uh, names uh, pop up. But it all in my in in my heart of hearts comes back to the same the the same job and the same thing that was is being done. And to Brian's point, it's like the how. How is the how is that um, work coming to life in the most effective way? And that's the thing. It's like, where did this come from? This skill set. This came from the media landscape fragmenting, and and with that, the title has fragmented. But it's our job, and Brian and I loved it, loved doing this job, is to ensure that in in an agency landscape for up until recently, like it was a thirty second of fifteen, and you're lucky to get your sixes. You know, um, that we have to say, wait, that's not the right way to approach it. We can't approach it just thinking that we're going to make a piece of film and cut it down. We have to make work which is way more um, ready set for the audience that's going to consume it, where they're going to consume it to solve the problem which has been defined in the brief. And I think that as we boil it down, all these titles, all the whatever, that's the most important bit. It's how the how do we make this work much more effective. There is a there is a difference between a brand planning skill set and the comms or connection planning skill set. And the importance is to understand how you utilize both of those, because you get into a world where it's like um, everyone has to do a little bit of of everything and then you get into everyone's a jack of all trades, master of none. And the work suffers overall for that. I may have mentioned it to to mention this before on the show, but there is um, I've said in the past and I think I was wrong. I know I was wrong in retrospect, but there's some there's there's an interesting thought in this, which is I said to this friend of mine, an agency guy, uh, I said, you know, the reason planners exist is because of the weaknesses of account people. And I was wrong about that, but there's a little there's a there's a little bit of an implication in this situation too. Is the reason that connections planning exists because of the weaknesses of media or the weaknesses of creative? This kind of feeds into a little bit of Ben, you and I had a little chat on this around the kind of the crossover between media and creative, um, because it's in, in, in my opinion, if like if we're to do our jobs as best as possible, we should have more input from media, like we shouldn't be working in an island. We should have the tools to do those, do media planning and, 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 and so on and so forth. On the other side, in media agencies, if you want, if they want to be able to do their jobs properly, they should have creatively minded folk to to be able to push the ideas out in a, in a way which gets that cut through, drives that effectiveness. We know creativity is the, un, is, is the key to unlock effectiveness. Um, so I think the the skill set is still needed. It's not that any side is not are, are not doing are, are weaker or not delivering what they should. It's just evolution is pushing us into this place. Evolution of the industry, evolution of our audiences, consumption patterns, and it's it, it, if if we don't solve it, if we don't bring the two together a little bit more, in my opinion, then it's going to be a weakness. Then it's going to be at fault. And I'd love to hear what the guys have to say on this. It's um. Such a provocative thought by you, Fergus. It's really interesting. 
Um, and I, I have thought about it a lot, um, you know, probably in that 13-hour flight. But um, <laughs> I, I think I noticed something coming from Australia to America and being in America, the scale is just so truly different, right? The scale of investment, the scale of talent. Um, and what I think that breeds and what I've noticed it breeds is deep, deep specialism, right? And whether that's in performance media or PR and and all of that. And I think that leads to like really class executions which within each of those silos. And I know that's a bit of a loaded word to use, but I think becoming really good and really deep at a lot of those skills further elevates the value of something like a connections planner because we are inherently needing to be quite broad and bring together all those elements in a campaign because you're exactly right a campaign isn't now just a 30 second tv spot and an out-of-home billboard it's you know hundreds of of communication touch points because that's reflective of how we consume media now and i think i think it's that depth i think it's that depth of specialism that means that us as connections planners need to be broad and connect all those elements and see value in all of those elements and actually bring it together as a cohesive um, piece of communication so brian you um just following up on this point with you brian when we talked the first time, you brought, I, I I wrote a little note down of what you said when we were talking about what is what is the challenge that connections planning solves. And you, um, I'm going to quote you back. You said it's it's about getting beyond scratching the surface of channels, and that resonated with me. It's hard to get below the surface to be really able to dig into what is possible rather than what exists. Absolutely, and I think you were talking about shortcomings on the strategic side, account side create a side and what the role of planners is. I think that it it depends on the perspective you're coming from. If you're, and you can look at sort of, if, if you ever see animosity between a creative team and a media team, you can kind of see what they see those shortcomings as. If you're a creative person, you might want to make a two minute ad and take over a New York Times uh, leaderboard uh, with this thing that, you know, is f- from a media perspective, not effective. The media team might say, you guys are crazy. The media team then would want to, you know, recommend very, safe, proven vehicles to reach the goals that they need to, six-second ads, 15-second ads. So to the earlier point I was making, I really think the shortcomings come down to a difference of objectives. And I think what Connections does is they bridge those objectives so that we're not just looking at efficiency. Because I think that when I look at Connections planning, I think there are three values that come out of it, with the with the fundamental one being effectiveness, the other two being unleashing creativity and creating integration. And Ben, you've been talking a lot about integra- integration, and that's a huge, huge piece of of what we do. And that integration and bringing those things together is about combining the art and the science. So I think that's why we exist. And I think scratching the surface is, I think, an incredibly valuable thing for an agency to bring brands. It's so easy to to dial in. You know, we've all seen case studies of the most famous influencer thing, and we can replicate that. But to truly get to an idea as unique as the Oatly work in, in Ireland, where they couldn't actually show a logo. I don't know if you've all seen this, but in Out of Home in, in Ireland, you can't actually show a logo, I, I think. Um, so they they created this uh, this kind of experience in those Out of Home locations where they would move trucks and things in front of the Out of Home ad with the logo, and they would record it. And that kind of approach to including branding and making that, it's it's really about digging deep into the consumer journey. And it's one of my favorite parts of this job is mapping the consumer experience and and being creative with your colleagues in digging deep for unexpected ways to express a brand. It's super fun. 
it is challenging if you have a really tight time frame and it's not always in the cards if you need to turn around a, a, a deck in two days. But looking really deep at the audience, I think we, we talk about it a lot, but I don't know how many people actually do it. If you actually go deep and have those conversations and map it out, you'll find some really interesting opportunities. So do you guys, do you guys belong in the media department or in the creative department? both. <laughs> so I, I think you're you're getting to what the critical difference is. And I, I think communications or connections to me, eh, there's maybe a little bit of difference. I think the more important difference is what value you're bringing to the planning equation. So if you're on the media side of things, you're having regular meetings with publishers, with tech vendors, with measurement vendors. You have the excellence of these media planners around you. You're going to have that skill set to bring to the equation. You might not be that close to the creative team. You might not be that close to the ideas that the creative team has been developing because you're at the media agency. So what you find is connections and comms are both on the media and the creative side, and that creates a lot of confusion. And it makes it really hard for us to sell ourselves into clients because they don't really understand where it should be coming from. It's still a big problem. Are you guys focused on sort of extending and elevating the creative idea, or do you find that you're developing strategic territories or developing creative ideas? For me, I, I would say it's it's a little bit of both. It's landing the territory, but then it is developing the creative idea. For me, it's like I, I, I find myself like like in the war room with the creatives a lot. And like in, from a creative idea, like and, and stretching it out, it's like, yes, strategic territories, but how does that idea come to life? How do we bend and break it? How do we like really push it to where the audience is? A lot of the times is like, <laughs> some of my, and, and of course, like most strategists, you know, we all have to be creative, but you want your, <laughs> if you have a good idea, you wanted to get in there. But sometimes it's nice when you're in the room with the creatives and you plant a seed and they, you know, they push it that little bit more, but you can see the essence of what you have put in to push that idea into a media space. And, you know, I think uh, the work that we did on Eminem Super Bowl just last year gone, it's like the characters lost their jobs and had to go and find new ones. Like I saw my, like I could feel my fingerprints all over it. The creative teams were like so receptive in what we were inputting, thinking about the personalities of each of the characters and thinking about where would they actually go get a job if they got fired. Like that's, that was the perfect example of me of like where comms planning and connections comes to life because you're taking the essence of the brand, the idea, pulling it all together, and then you're pushing it into different media uh, locations. Um, and it's, it just turns into really powerful, effective, creative. As I listen to the three of you talk, um, are you guys sort of the consciousness uh, of effectiveness throughout this entire process? Because as I hear Enda talking, I'm like, well, Enda's really in there working with the creatives, which a lot of planners struggle with the opportunity to do, uh, and media planners struggle to do. Um, but then others you're talking about, well, you're in at the much earlier stages, uh, but always along the way, you're trying to elevate everything. You're trying to give it more texture, give it more depth, give it more possibilities. It it it's it feels like a creative role to me, but I'm just curious. Um, is it is it something different? You know, I'm 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 struggling to put it into a box. You know, and I think that this is why maybe there's a lot of confusion. I do think that there's duality to the role. I think there's a I think that there's a very strong sense of duality. I think that if you're in a creative world and there's creative ambition. 
you need to be the voice and conscious of uh, consciousness of uh, of effectiveness of reach of, of these principles of growth that we know are true kind of the adult in the room for people that might not be as close to marketing or what how brands grow on the media side we need to be i think the creative voice and bring to those teams and that thinking some aspiration to take some risks or to look at some maybe some units or channels that you know, are, are low on our list, but could be creatively interesting. And I think that duality makes the role a little confusing, but that's required because I think it's really bridging those two pieces with different objectives. So I think that it really depends on the situation. I've, I think that the elevating the creativity of a platform is a big output. Um, the work that Enda did on M&Ms is incredible. I love that campaign. Um, but you know, if on the other side, it, it's absolutely about like, what is that six second? And we have to be that boring guy in the room sometime because we can't go to our clients and say, here are your six, you know, 30 second films. And that's just not going to work. At different points in it, you have to do different things. You're going to input in different ways. You know, at the beginning, it's working with the, uh, the, the brand strategist to say, okay, well, you know, here's my thought on it. Do, do, does that help you crack the problem a, a little bit? Um, but going on, it's like, okay, where will it show up? And then it's the how. So it's like, that's the thing. This is why it's such a powerful role. And this is why it's so hard to define because you have to do so much along the journey. And if you can be added off at each of those places in the way that we know that, and I, I, I've seen from the work in the people on this call and beyond, are, then you get to much better work. But it's it it it's to Brian's point. Some points, sometimes it's being bad cop. Sometimes it's being the mad scientist, creative strategist, and sometimes it's it, you know it, it's just helping to help and eat the work along the way. It's connecting all those things together. It's connecting all those skill sets together, and the best comms planners, connections planners, whatever you want to call them, do that. They can see the gap where they can fill in. They're the sand that fills that gap. And that makes really effective, powerful, creative. Since we're really talking about connections, role, and effectiveness, I want to zero in now on, on that exact exact point. Um, can you guys share, just to make things tangible, can, can each of you share examples? Maybe we can start with Brian. Uh, an example from uh, that people might be familiar with that sort of points to the contribution that um, connections planning made in in a powerful campaign. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, I, one of my favorite brands over the past three to four years, from a connections planning standpoint, is, is Heinz Ketchup. Um, they, yes. they 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 have you know I think their platform is 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 pretty general. It's it's not very unique. It's uh it has to be Heinz, and it's really kind of celebrating the iconic status and the irrational lengths that people will go to get it. We've seen that from from other brands, but I think that the the real interesting part is how they express that with their audiences that are sources of growth that they see in very original ways. So, for example, um, they had this 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 gaming activation, one of my favorite campaigns of the past few years. I think if a lot of brands approach the gaming space, they'll probably look for the very generic. Let's let's offer a skin for people to download. Let's make a custom course. Those are kind of just you know, cliche executions. They went really deep to understand the gamer experience. And and this this activation was it's called Hidden Spaces. And uh it's a it's it's a, it's a, it's based on uh, massive multiplayer games like Call of Duty. Um and it's based on the insight that 
while you're gaming, you can't pause in those online games, but you sometimes want to snack. So you have to find these places in, in the world, in the game, where you can kind of hide from your enemies so, to, so you can snack. So Heinz created this hidden spaces map to show these gamers where they could squat and hide so they could eat their fries and ketchup. I think that, <laughs> it's just That's an great. incredible, you're knowing that pain point of the consumer, but it's beautiful because on, on one side, it's the pain point for the consumer of like, I want to go to this length to have Heinz, but then we're also landing the message of it has to be Heinz. It's, it's, it's really well done. Done a really good, a lot of really great other stuff that the, the puzzle that they released during COVID I thought was, was super cool and interesting. Yeah, Different idea that was more about slow and the slow pace of that time. But I just really admire the thinking, the depth, the originality of that brand over the past few years. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I think I think we had a we did an episode of Rethink where they talked through all of that work. And the one I loved the most was was their um their integration with Waze, the navigation app. Yep. And when when you're when you're in traffic, you, you always see on your navigation map that that the, the the road turns red. And what they did is when cars slowed down to a certain speed, their car turned into a red ketchup bottle on the on the highway on their navigation system, and it was a, there was an offer tied into a a whopper or something. But you know, brilliant original original thinking. And uh, so, Ben, what about you? Is there an example or two you could share? Yes, I do. But I I want to comment on some of that too because I think really great examples of not just understanding where we should be communicating, but what people are doing and what they're experiencing when they're in that space, right? And that's such a good, clear personification of the value that connections or communications bring, right? It's understanding the platform, but also understanding like, understanding that we should be in the space, but understanding that when you're in the space, people behave like this, so they think like this, right? And that's where it just becomes really, really powerful. I think a good example of that is, you know, even, um, recent work, one of the examples I was going to talk about is, is cause light, um, in the Super Bowl this year, the team did, um, you know, cause traditionally doesn't advertise in the Super Bowl because AB and Bev has that pretty boxed out over the last 30 years. But the really interesting piece that the creative and communications team did over at Droga five is, is go deep in understanding what are people, what does our audience really care about? And what are they actually doing when they're watching a Super Bowl and how are you going to cut through in that environment? As a refresher to the group, that was where we had um, the first bettable ad and it was a partnership with uh, DraftKings. So it it was a really great example where, you know, we had this wonderful spot, um, but really it was the depth of understanding what does our audience really care about? You know, drinking beer and, and betting and look, no shade, I'm one of those people. Um and and thinking about how people are behaving during the Super Bowl and their multi-screening and all that kind of stuff and, and hacking that behavior. So it is connections that is really drawing the connection between, you know, different platforms in a moment and trying to maximize that moment. One of the ones which I'm, I really love, and it was just before my time coming into AMV in London, was around um, for Sheba. I don't know if anybody see it, it's 4 a.m. stories. Um, and the whole thing was that, like, people... So Sheba is uh, pet food? Yeah, it's cat, yeah, cat food. It's in the, one of the Mars brands as well. But um, the whole point that they got around is that, you know, um, cats are, I think it's crepuscular, or pretty much nocturnal. 
Um, so they wake up at night and they, embedded in them, they're, they're hunter gatherers. So that means they wake up a lot. And I'm sure if there's any cat owners uh, on the call, they'll, they'll, they'll um, vouch for that. Yes. Like, like cat owners wake up in the middle of the night. So what they did on sheep is they created 4 a.m. stories. So lots of ads on Spotify, lots of like a, a really long form, two or three p hour piece of film that helped people get back to sleep and lulled people back to sleep. And I just thought like it was just so perfect because it's taken a moment where their target audience is awake and taking a moment where you can buy media in a really efficient way, but reach them. And and of course, it showed up in other places that weren't, wasn't in the middle of the night. But the story and the human truth for that audience was so, so, um, so brilliant. I think Mark Ritson in that year called it like his favorite campaign of the year. And it's just it, it, was, it was such an effective campaign as well. But that 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 is like the double click on understanding of the audience that is just that 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 comes and connections bring in. It's actually uh, Emily Bryden and Brian Williamson were the two planners that worked on that, and they they were they're always so good at that understanding the audience so intrinsically that they can unlock just that little insight, which can then bring into like creativity as a whole. Just to build on the sheep example, I love that. And it's, it's one of my favorite campaigns. I think the, the platform is resistance is futile, which is really great brand platform. <laughs> it's great. perfect, which is like, you know, we, we our cats are pretty annoying. <laughs> they can wake us up at 4 a.m. They're, they're pretty obnoxious, but we still love them and we'll feed them. And I think that idea finds a pain point, but not only a pain point, a way that we can show that that truth in a different light. And I think that that's really what's, what's special. Their most recent TV spot, which is not that compelling from a connection standpoint is um, allergic cat owners. And you know that's another one that's more of a universal one that doesn't need to be at a place in time like 4AM Stories, but getting that idea across, not just addressing the barrier, but communicating the platform too. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really interesting for me listening to you guys because part of me feels like um, the strategists, let's call them brand strategists for the sake of conversation, brand strategists are told, um, many, many are told, that you're not to get into ideas. So that the creative does not want them to get into ideas. They want them to live in the world of strategy, to find the strategy. Don't get into giving me ideas. You guys are almost on the other end, where uh, you're you're in a different space. You're talking about all about ideas uh, with a department that is supposed to have the responsibility for ideas. The, is that a growing pain problem, Brian? That where where you you um maybe you're just better at developing ideas than a brand strategist might be or the language is different it is a growing pain and i think it's it's a matter of agreement on who's who's in control of what and you know connections planners you really need to have really good rapport and chemistry with your teams i think connections people are in a lot of ways integrators between different groups and i think you need to work work alongside your creative teams very closely to have an understanding of where the source of the ideas is is coming from. And I've seen situations where connections planners basically come up with the idea and then the creative team just kind of designs it. Um, and I think, you know, another metaphor as you were kind of looking for, Fergus, before, what, what do we do? Is it, is it territories? Is it tactics? Another metaphor that I like is if, if, if the brand planners, you know, creating the book title or a book plot, we're, we're doing the chapters. So what do we need to say first? What do we need to say second? What do we need to say third? What do we need to say when, you know, the, the, the climax of the story is, is peaking? What do we need to, to do there? And I think looking at it that way, it kind of gives you a picture of it's both the timing, the, 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 the framework, the structure, but also the message. And I think that that's, you know, kind of the output there. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a nice way of looking at it. I, I think what we can provide to creativity is objectivity, right? Often you'll have a creative idea that, you know, we'll go in front of a client and they can say they like it or they don't based on subjective feelings. I think a lot of what we do as strategists and especially communications, connections, media strategists is build that box of proof around that idea. You know, we should have a, or a ladder, whatever analogy you want to put is like, we are growing creativity, but we are also supporting it by objective truths that make that idea stronger at the end. And that shapes where the idea goes in development, but it should also be armor and support for that idea when it, when it comes to judgment. So Brian, uh, our last, um, Last question I, I wanted to pose to all of you is probably the most critical, which is how can we isolate the added layer of effectiveness that connection strategy delivers? Have you have you cracked that code? I don't think that we've done a good job of that uh, as practitioners, and I, I, I agree, Fergus. I think that um, you know there are probably a lot of ways to do it, and it might depend on the altitude of the industry level. Is it at the campaign level? Is it is at the brand and agency level. I I think something coming out of like an IPA data bank, I think that there could be a way for us to look at connection strategies and, and try to isolate the, the, the impact that they have. I think the challenge that you might find is that every team is designed and set up in a different way with different goals. So it might be hard to you know, quantify that. But um, I, I don't know if I have the answer. I think that we we need to do more of this, I think. How about Banarenda? I, I I agree with Brian. It's it's hard because I talk so much about connections and and comms being intrinsically part of the creative product. So trying to pull them out and measure them as separate entities becomes very challenging. It should be lifting the bar of creativity and also the effectiveness of our campaigns. Something that I know you talk quite a lot about, Fergus, is is platform fit at the very very. Um, base level if you have connections and comms strategy you shouldn't be you know transposing the wrong type of creative into the wrong into the wrong space so i think that's the first place i would go to measure um but it is it is very hard to measure the effectiveness of a discipline that is seen in the outcome of creative and is it is it kind of like the idea that well i can't really i can't isolate whether it's the writer or the art director who should get the most credit or can get you know, in an idea. I mean, it just is. It's either effective or it's not. So, so the thing about effectiveness for me is effectiveness. If you want a truly effective campaign, it doesn't start writing the FE paper. It starts at the very beginning of what we're trying to achieve and how we achieve it. And if we do what we say we do as well as we do, we're so intrinsically steeped in each one of those steps. And I keep referring back to that analogy that Ben had. It's a journey. We're always there. So if, if we, if that is, if connections or comms planning is done as well um, as it should be, then how do you pull apart the effectiveness of the role? It's not that it's like a gate. And if you, if you, if you don't pass through this gate, then you go down a different route and all of a sudden you've lost 30% effectiveness. Like I'm sure there's smarter people in, in the IPA and the likes of Peter Fields and people like that who could, who could break it, maybe break it apart better. But I just feel that if you're doing it to the, the way you need to do it, it's so hard to pull apart. It has to be in every part, whether it's working with the account team, whether it's working with the clients, the brand strategist, in with the creatives. Like there's just like there's 30 minute nudges 
over this consistently over the space of six months that gets you to a Super Bowl ad in February or whatever, which is it, it, like those little nudges are constantly pushing towards effectiveness. And the people who know that when we drive effectiveness are the people who are in the campaigns and understand it. But the problem is, is when it comes to a scoping thing is like, as you just said there, between an art director and a copywriter, how do you flip the coin? How do you say, oh, actually, we need more of this and, and less of that? I agree. The structure of an agency and a team is not going to tell you the value of, of connection spending, probably because of the confusion. I see in a lot of the scenarios, brand planners, typical brand planners doing connection strategy because there's a reality of a department. It's really hard to staff a department with specialists if that's how they're seen. Um, for a short while, while I was at BBDO, we had a 15, 15 connections planners. A new CSO came in and made everyone hybrid because financially it doesn't make sense to have all these different specialists. So I think you're getting to the right approach, Fergus, which is isolating the connection strategies that are driving growth. I think another thing could be looking at the gaps that we have. So there are a lot of really great thought pieces put out by ARF, the FEs, you know, everyone, the number of channels that are used in award submissions, the more channels that you have, the more varied the channel mix. These kind of principles, if we can continue to tout them, and and then I agree with you, look at the agencies that have prioritized connections, not that they have the team name. That's probably the better way to go because I don't. I think you'll find that thinking in a lot of different places. And to the point earlier, social strategy, I see that as a microcosm of, of connections where you're doing a lot of the same thing. You have these different channels, different use cases, and you need to kind of pull them together. So, I think that it really depends on the strategies or, or gaps. And I can, popularizing that might might kind of put the role more at the forefront of the industry. Yeah, and you'll find the thinking from different titles. And to your point, Fergus maybe from one singular person at different agencies. And I think that's fine, you know, as long as that's being expressed. But you'll also notice when it's not there, you know, and I think that's where it's needed. You know, sometimes agencies and work and even clients can fall into overly traditional sets of work or work that isn't quite hitting the mark against the audience. And that's an absence of comms or connections. And that's where you you actively need it. The best clients, in my opinion, you know, a lot of them that I've worked with here in Mars, they just inherently understand the power of it. You know, yeah. they get they they get what what they need to do. They're like they're dealing at such reach and at such scale that they're like, okay, we like how do we eke out that little bit of extra reach? How do we eke out that little bit of extra relevance and addressability? And they know that they need that extra skill set in there. And the proof is in the pudding. It's like it's in it's it's in the effectiveness. It's in the growth. Thank you all three of you for participating. Um, this is episode one in our three episode series. I can already tell that we'll most likely do a fourth episode because I think we'll probably bring some guys back together, some people who participate in this um, to sort of revisit some of the key points that have come out of it. Uh, so um, it's uh, Enda Conway, head of connection strategy at uh, BBDO in New York. Brian Bryden is SVP, Head of Comm Strategy for Publicis Group, also in New York. And Ben Nilsson, Head of Media Strategy for Droga 5 New York. Thanks, guys. Really, really appreciate it. It's going to add an awful lot to the conversation. Thank you, Fergus. Thanks, Fergus. And we will see everyone on the next episode.